From the AMF Podcast Studios, you're listening to the Health and Safety Law Report. I'm Doug Jenks. And I'm Abby White. Abby and I have been thinking a lot lately about OSHA's general duty clause. And when you're talking about the general duty clause, because it's kind of an amorphous thing, we get a lot of questions about how to uh, address concerns with the general duty clause because it's it's not an actual standard. And uh, and then that begets the question of how do employers work with their attorneys? And Abby, you had the idea of doing an episode about how uh, employers or how clients can best work with attorneys um, to evaluate legal issues and then address legal issues. Is did I set that up for you correctly? You did. Yeah, that was a that was a good intro. No, I, I think uh, there are sometimes employers, clients, potential clients, existing clients who are maybe afraid to call their attorneys, whether it's us or you know some other attorney, just because it can be expensive, right? And they're not quite sure what they're getting into. And so I thought maybe today we could just talk about how to cost effectively use your lawyer and prepare yourself to use your lawyer and maybe break down some of the myths that prevent people from calling in the first place. Yeah, I think that sounds good. Great. All right, cool. So you are telling me about a couple of different kinds of ways that people use their lawyers and I thought it was very entertaining. So why don't you share that? Okay. All right. So I see two basic models for how somebody works with an attorney. There is the taxicab model and the plumber model. Under the taxicab model, somebody gets in your cab and you're the driver and they say to you, I want to go to a certain address and they tell you exactly where they want to go. They know where they want to go. They know what their goal is, but they don't necessarily know how to get there. And so that person then relies entirely on the driver, you the driver, to get them there safely and cost-effectively and uh, and efficiently. Sometimes you work with the passenger on the route. Sometimes the passenger knows a lot about how to take that route. And so the two of you work together to get there. Um, other times the passenger has zero idea how, how to do it or how to go. And so they t- and rely entirely on the driver if you extrapolate that to a lawyer-client situation, sometimes a, a client calls you and they tell you exactly what they want to do. Let's say, for example, they want to buy a piece of real estate and they know there's some legal issues involved with that. So that's their goal. They want to buy this piece of real estate. That person may not have any idea uh, about how to legally navigate that transaction. And so they and they trust you and rely on you entirely to do everything necessary to do that effectively and efficiently, cost-effectively, and and so on. So that's the taxicab model. And the other model is the plumber model. And under the plumber model, somebody calls the plumber and they say, I've got a giant mess. I've got this, uh, we'll say I've got uh, uh, you know, sewage backed up in my basement or in my kitchen, God forbid, something horrible like that. And they say, I have no idea how this happened. This is something I cannot handle. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to clean it. I don't know what to do. And so the plumber has to go in and assess the situation and then try to fix it and make sure it doesn't happen again. I see that with clients all the time where they call an attorney and they, or they call us 
and they say, I've got this giant problem. Um, what do I do? How do I, how do I address it? Uh, so that's a plumber scenario where somebody just calls with a big giant mess. So those are the two basic ways that I see people calling us. And in both of those cases, you have people who absolutely need legal advice and they know that they need legal advice. And so they're, and it's quite clear what your role as an attorney is going to be, but that's not always necessarily the case. And not everybody knows to call a lawyer or they're not sure what the lawyer can do for them. And I think that's what you were uh, thinking about, uh, Abby. So I, I'm going to say that I, I think that the taxi cab approach is often, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure kind of thing that if you, um, you know, plan to do something that might result in some type of exposure and you call your attorney ahead of time and say, Hey, how can you help me set this up to, to limit my liability in the long run? You might be spending some money up front, but in the long run, hopefully you're preventing the plumber sewage in the kitchen scenario. <laughs> right, good point. Yeah. So that's actually one of the tips I had for people is like, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't, obviously I can only speak for myself and I know you, Doug, when people call us and say, Hey, is this the type of thing you can help me with? I don't charge for that initial call to say, yes, I can help you or no, I, I can't help you here. I need to refer you to someone else. Um, you know, and if, if, if that's a barrier for people, um, if you're, you know, I, I, I would venture to say probably most attorneys don't, don't charge for that type of thing. Right. I agree. Yeah. Yes, definitely not. Not the good ones. No, <laughs> not the shouldn't. reputable ones. Not, there, there's probably some shysters out there, but um, yeah, I mean, you should be able to pick up the phone and call an attorney and just say, hey, here's my problem. Is this the type of thing you handle? And if not, who can help me? Who do you know that can help me? Um, you should, should not be afraid to do that. Oh, no, I agree. And at that point, the attorney should be able to assess whether or not that they can help you. And uh, they might be able to give you a, a good sense of how involved it would be, aka how expensive it would be to uh, to proceed. Yeah. So what are some questions that you think people should ask when they're calling a lawyer to try to figure out you know, what they're, how expensive it's going to be? Because that's like, I think the number one concern for people is Lawyers are too expensive. I don't want to call a lawyer because I'm going to spend all my money on them. I think it behooves somebody calling the lawyer to make sure that you have a conversation with that attorney. And I always make sure that I discuss this with them regarding how long it's going to take. How much work will this project require? Because yeah. sometimes you'll get into a, a matter and it you as an attorney you can see where it's going to go and and you you've been down that road before and so just like in the taxi cab model you know the route you know how long it takes to get there you know what the traffic is going to be like so you know basically what the fare is going to be and you can you can tell them about it and and oftentimes i will get somebody who calls and they they say where they want to go and what they want to do and i tell them okay this is 
potentially going to be very expensive for you. You need to be careful because this here's what's going to happen. There's going to be step A, B, and C, and this will take on a life of its own and will be very could be very expensive for you. Those in those cases, people call or employers call, companies call, and they in the beginning sometimes are they're very upset about some situation and they say it's the principle yeah i don't care about the money it's the principle and i say to them it's easy and cheap to say that now but mm -hmm. three months from now you might be kicking yourself so you need to think long and hard about how you want or whether you want to go down go down this route yeah that's especially true in litigation I think, because once you're on the bear, you're on the bear and you don't decide when you get off, right? The bear does. So it, you know, they can talk a big game early on. I don't care how much this is going to cost me. This is unjust. And I want to see justice done and we're going to fight this till the end. And then they get a bill or two and they're like, okay, so <laughs> how do we settle this? How do we get out of this? So yeah, I think cost, cost benefit analysis is really important at, at the front end of things. Right. And you, if you have a claim, whether it's a personal injury claim or a workers' compensation claim that's covered by insurance, whether it's a state insurance plan like in Ohio or private insurance like most other states for workers' compensation, in that case, you need to look at whether or not it, it makes sense to spend money on an attorney when ultimately it's going to be covered by insurance. And then what we you would want to do is find out if this claim is covered by insurance, what's going to happen to your premiums. And, and I should say this, in, in the state of Ohio, where we practice workers' comp law, our OSHA practice is basically nationwide, but our workers' comp practice is just in Ohio. In Ohio, there's a, a it's a state-run system. It's a state monopoly. The B Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation is the only insurer for workers' compensation in, in the state. And you as an employer can rely on the Bureau to more or less try to control the claim. And you can also hire your own attorney to uh, oppose the claim or try to manage the claim for you. And it's when you hire your own attorney and you're spending your own money out of pocket, you don't want to shell out a bunch of money to get in litigation uh, uh, on a claim that's ultimately going to be covered by insurance and your premiums aren't going to go up all that much anyway. So you just got to be careful about what you're getting into at the beginning and, 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 and work with your attorney to make sure you understand that. Yeah. So be proactive, try to anticipate problems before they arise and get help with that before you actually need it and do a cost benefit analysis. And then also there, I think there's some small things that employers, actually all clients, no matter what type of case you have, can do. If you're working with an attorney who bills by the hour, as we do, now not all attorneys do, right? Some attorneys um, charge a contingency fee. Those are like usually plaintiff attorneys in civil litigation, which we are not. We are defense attorneys. Um, so that's kind of the perspective that we're looking at this from. But if you're working with an attorney that bills by the hour, um, there's some stuff you can do to kind of keep your costs down, right? So responding timely to emails, being organized, sending, you know, if I have to sort of bird dog 
a client to get me documents that I need to review, or if I have to keep going back and asking like, okay, you know, you sent me an accident report that references some other document, some other witness statement or something else. Can you send that to me? Try to, if you try to anticipate what your attorney's going to need and just send them everything um, that, you know, at one time or just in a couple of communications, it's going to be less expensive for you than if I have to keep emailing you or calling you to follow up on things. So that's, that's one thing I think clients can do to keep their costs down. Um, and then also, I think it's important um, when you're going to hire an attorney, ask them not only what their rate is, but how, how do they charge that rate? Is it by the quarter of the hour or by the 10th of the hour? Because, you know, if you're working with a lawyer that charges by the quarter of the hour, you, one six minute phone call is going to, they're going to charge you the whole quarter of the hour for that. Whereas if you're working with an attorney that charges by the 10th, they'll charge you 0.1 hours for that. So that little stuff can add up. Um, and that's something else you can think about when you're hiring a lawyer. Absolutely. That's actually something uh, that I have thought about a lot. And that is how certain attorneys do charge or bill by the quarter hour. That could be very expensive for clients, especially if it's a small client and that attorney is going to bill several hundred dollars per hour and they respond to an email and it takes a minute and they are charged 25% of their hourly fee. That can be very expensive. So yes. you got to understand that going into a relationship with your attorney, if you are being billed by that attorney, um, you know, by the hour, as opposed to being on a, the plaintiff side of things where it's all contingency, as you said. Right. Yeah. So you, know, you had mentioned earlier, uh, trying to do things in the beginning to minimize your liability. And an example of that, that it had occurred to me is when an employer has an employee who is just a say a you know a bad egg right they're not a good employee yeah. and they are you know they're not a good performer and they're constantly let's just say they're they're just a terrible employee in in every regard and the employer wants to terminate that employee for good reason but often when an employer tries to terminate somebody, it results in in litigation for any number of reasons. And so it behooves that employer to work with a, an employment attorney to make sure that they have crossed all T's and dotted all I's before they um, pull the trigger on terminating that person to make sure that they don't face uh, liability unnecessarily. Right. I do think, though, that sometimes employers, people in general, don't call attorneys because they are afraid they are going to be told to do things differently or that they can't do what they want to do. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, they'd rather just act now and beg for forgiveness later kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I know some people like that. I might be related to some people like that. Uh, <laughs> nice. But... Yeah, no, I agree. Especially employment in the employment context. I feel like anytime you are about to terminate somebody, there could potentially be, 
you know, some type of litigation arising out of that. So that's, to me, that's a no brainer. If I was an employer, I would be calling an attorney every time I was getting ready to fire somebody, unless it was just totally like a no brainer, you know? Right. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, I often get calls or questions that, that sound like this. Can I do X? Uh -huh. And my response is I've come to learn this response, which is absolutely. Of course you can. <laughs> However, but, yes, but, but <laughs> you will be sued from here to eternity if you do that. So yes, you you are free to do that, but it is not advisable to do that. And here's why. And so here's a better way that we could go about accomplishing your goals without facing that kind of liability. Yeah, people get frustrated with attorneys because our answer is always, it depends, right? It oh, yeah. depends. Rarely do, are we ever able to give a yes, absolutely, or no, absolutely. They're, we just don't live in a world of absolutes. We live in a world of gray. So that, that is true. It can't be avoided, unfortunately. All we can do is give you options. Yes, that, that's yeah. absolutely correct. You must tread carefully and, and, everything that you do in, in terms of running your business because there are there nothing is nothing is set in stone and nothing is black and white as you said right yeah and believe it or not we don't know everything right sometimes i don't know people call and i know exactly what the answer is and sometimes i need to think about it Sometimes I need a minute to kind of digest it and ask for additional information and review, you know, other things before I just spout off an answer. Oh, so, well, that's, that's often the case. Yeah. But I think, I think sometimes people expect you to just have the answer right at your fingertips in that very first phone call. And that's, that's not a realistic expectation. If you are dealing with an attorney who claims to know every answer immediately, just at their fingertips, um, I'm I'm not sure I would be comfortable with that with that representation because sometimes we do need to dig further and look into you know other other things other issues before we can thoroughly advise you on stuff. Well, and often we will be presented with a scenario and we give advice based on the facts that are in that scenario and I can be very confident in that advice based yep. on those facts mm -hmm. only a couple weeks later to find out that those facts are actually not entirely accurate and that there are or something else that it was highly relevant that the employer did not know or the uh, that the client did not know or that nobody knew right and, and we have to adjust so often right. the and you have to be uh, flexible because you learn new things, uh, and and when you do give advice, it uh, it doesn't always pan out if the facts change or if uh, you learn new things that that change uh, changes the situation. Right. So, what else? Anything else you think people need to know if they're going to work with an attorney? Well, I would just say that it. It's important that the attorney and the client have a good working relationship and have an open dialogue with each other so that the client knows the liability that they are facing 
They know what the path before them is is generally going to look like it, to the extent that you can determine that in the beginning. It's good to have a conversation with them about the uh, the costs. Again, we're talking about when you're paying an attorney by the hour, which is how employers generally operate. So you just want to make sure you've got a good working relationship with that with that attorney, so everybody knows what's what you both get or what bo- you and the client are getting into. Or yeah. you and your attorney. I agree. Comfort level is key. All right. Anything else? No. I think hopefully we've helped people feel more comfortable about what to expect from their lawyers and what, you know, to at least maybe ease some anxiety about picking up the phone and calling an attorney if they need to, if they think they might need to. That's the goal anyway. Yeah. No, I think that's good. Especially, you know, in our practice, when you're talking about OSHA citations, if you're cited or investigated by OSHA, it's a good idea to make sure you understand the scope of the investigation and the kind of liability that you're facing from the citations. And it's good to talk to an attorney to find out if you have any viable defenses or if you have any defenses at all if you, and if you want to be raising them and what will happen in the future if you are cited, if you fight the citations or if you accept the citations and and so on. So it's good to know what you're getting into. Uh, and this is true for any kind of claim that's filed against you or if you want to file a claim against uh, some other party, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that sums it up for now. We will be back with you. I can't say exactly when because <laughs> we've not been so terribly consistent with our uh, publishing uh, of our podcast, but uh, we are endeavoring to be a little bit more regular. So hopefully we'll be talking with everybody soon uh, before too long. We'll do better. That's right. And for now, remember, as always, we are lawyers. But we're not your lawyers, at least not while we're on this podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.